Ideas have consequences, and consequences have ideas. If we don't learn how to think carefully, we will never be able to live rightly. So welcome to Think Through It, a podcast for conversation among friends encouraging one another to think through it. All right. Well, welcome to Think Through It. Joined by two great friends, Josh Youssef and Diane Menina. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Glad you guys are here. So today, as we, we try to do and think through it, we, we try to take on things that are require some thought. Um, I like the kind of long form of this. You know, I, I've said that podcasting is kind of the new long form journalism in America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't really read like The Atlantic or those kind of old traditional long form uh, publications weren't not that they don't, but but they listen to podcasts. They, they yeah. have they, those things have been replaced in large part by podcasts. And and I think long form discussions are really really good for the discussion that we are about to have. And of course, we're not going to cover everything today. One of the things that I have been burdened by recently is just like the you know the the sound bite or you know, tweet length driven ideology that really oversimplifies very, very complex issues. And I think in American life today, um, there are not many, there are some, but there are not many issues that are more kind of pressing and, and, and I think also more complex than the gun control situation. Uh, and obviously we're having this conversation um, on the heels of a year in our country where there's been many violent gun attacks. Um, and of course that's not like a thing that is unique to 2023. I mean, this is something that happens all the time. Um, you know, I, I don't have a, a, a ton of data right in front of me, but, um, you know, there's something like 15,500, um, deaths by gun violence every year in the United States of America. Uh, and obviously you can compare that to like a country like the United Kingdom, Great Britain, you know, there's something like 15 a year. I mean, so a thousand times less. And so, you know, that, um, that creates this conversation because you, you look at the rest of the world and, um, you know, I think, I think people think, well, maybe we just get rid of the guns. But of course, that's not that easy to do, uh, you know. And so, and then of course, I think people can, their, tribalism really takes off in, in having this conversation um, where you can totally write somebody off because they're this, you know, gun-toting redneck or this pacifist, you know, progressive person, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we can kind of write people off. And, and really, I think like thoughtful Christians are trying to have this conversation um, in a thoughtful way. And that, that's really what we're trying to do. And, and, and mm. now we're not, if you came, if you're joining think through it today thinking, Oh, well, you know, Jason and Diane and Josh are going to tell us exactly what we should think about gun control. I don't, I don't really think that's my goal today. I mean, nope. I speak for you guys also, but I think what we're trying to do is, is help us to, what do I say? Like do theology. How do we apply what God has kind of, um, written in his word, given us in his word to our current context. Um, and I would say in a complex situation. So I think before we kind of start doing that, uh, any kind of opening thoughts about that, that you guys have? 
Yeah. I mean, I, to just echo what you said, I mean, it is, it is hard to ignore the fact that England is, you know, one fifth the size of the United States. And yet they have, you know, we have a thousand times more uh, gun deaths, including suicide. Um, so it's, it, you can't, you can't get away from that. It, we are, um, I remember I, I met a Palestinian guy one time and he said, um, America is really a violent country. And I thought, well, that's interesting coming from a Palestinian. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it, he's right in a sense that we are, we are, we were kind of birthed in violence in terms of our, our, uh, our, our uh, revolutionary war. And, and so you, you see that today. And so, yeah, you, you, these are hard realities that we have to face and then how we practically, you know, attack that or, or approach that I think is, uh, is up for debate. And I would just add, um, you know, for me, it's like become an increasing conviction of mine that I need to care about this issue. Oh yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, it's something I'd love to escape from. I'd love to work on other issues. I don't consider myself somebody who's an expert on this topic, but yeah, as you see the rise in it, you're like, I, I want to be a part of the solution. I think that is first and foremost, the right Christian response. Yes. Well, and we talked about this before. I know Diane, you know, the Russ Moore piece about like this, this shouldn't be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we shouldn't be like, ah, well, you know, you know, more gun violence on the news tonight. Or, and, and I think the things that oftentimes get our attention, um, you know, are, are school shootings or these mass shootings that, um, you know, are particularly troublesome. And so I'm not trying to, to make in any way light of those. In fact, I, I, I have the same kind of reaction to those. I mean, they're, they're gut wrenching, you know, this, obviously the recent shooting in Nashville. I mean, I knew people involved. I know one of the men whose daughter, uh, was killed. I mean, and so that was like particularly, you know, horrendous to think through. Um, but if you're just, if you're just looking at the, the data, I mean, gosh, like the issue is with your point, Josh, like suicides, the issue Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, with a lot of, you know, I guess you could say like, you know, more, less privileged communities uh, where gun violence is just kind of a part of life. Um, And so I I don't think that we should just kind of categorize this. I think I have a a statistic recently, like since Columbine, there have been something like 175 school deaths because of gun violence, which it's 175 too many. Um, But I mean, if you, if you kind of net that up, you know, against the 300,000 gun deaths that have happened outside of schools in the same time period, or, you know, maybe close to 400,000 now, if you, I'm not, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but yeah. So those are the things that get a lot of attention, but actually the problem, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give those things attention. I'm just saying the problem is actually a lot bigger than those. And the areas I think where we need to be paying more attention are suicide, uh, lower income communities. Like how do we bring you know, a more holistic, you know, I'll just use the word shalom. Like how do we bring like the peace of God to those individuals that are obviously struggling with depression? Um, and, and, and obviously to, to some degree too, like, I mean, these are bigger issues than just access to guns, but it includes the issue of access to guns. Um, you know, uh, there has been a lot of studies. I know Malcolm Gladwell's written a lot about this, about like the type of stoves in England uh, and women in the 1960s used to commit suicide because there was a type of gas in the stoves and they changed the type of gas and suicides went down. You know, there's been the same kind of studies done on the 
Golden Gate Bridge, you know, it's a popular place to commit suicide and they put nets up underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's not that just like suicides off the Golden Gate Bridge went down, but like suicides in the city of San Francisco went down. And so because that was such a, excuse me, popular place for suicide. So these are really good things that I think that I think you're, I'm just echoing your point, Diane, like Christians should care about these things. And the fact that Christians should are having these conversations is good. I think what we're trying to do is like, how should you have these conversations? Like, how do you apply the Bible when you have these conversations? Um, so I want to talk about that, but, but I think an important thing to talk about, we, we can only apply the, like applied theology, if we're just going to use that idea, requires a context, right? And so because we aren't first century Roman citizens, um, we can't, in a sense, take a one for one for scripture. And, and you know, before you all start thinking, oh, Jason doesn't believe in the authority of scripture. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying in order to like apply the authority of scripture in every situation, you have to contextualize it. You, you, you have to say, um, like, so I'll just give an example. Like, um, you know, Paul's instruction to the Ephesians about slaves and masters, right? We say, well, we don't live in a context where there's slavery anymore. Thank goodness. Therefore, this text has nothing to say to me. Well, no, of course, there's actually something in that text to mm-hmm. all of us, and it's a great text about authority. But I, I have to... I have to do applied theology. I have to, I have to do theology. I have to understand my context. I have to understand scripture and I have to put those two together to, um, to really think through this rightly. And that's really like what we want to do. Like that's really kind of the purpose of think through it. So anyway, context, the United States, we are obviously a country where there's more than 300 million guns out there. And I think we have to ask ourselves, well, why is that? Uh, how did that happen? And it really goes back to the Second Amendment. Now, a lot of people think like, oh, yeah, the Second Amendment. This, Well, there's a lot of things about the Second Amendment that are interesting. And, and I think as Christians, we want to talk about these things in an educated way. What is the Second Amendment? Well, the best way to understand, like, I would say the whole Bill of Rights, which the Second Amendment is a part of, first 10 amendments to the Constitution, the, if you will, the framers of our country wrote a Constitution. They couldn't get it ratified. There was a long time, like, trying to ratify the constitution among the states. And so the Bill of Rights was really the response to that resistance. And so the states were saying like, well, in order for us to become this big federal government, um, we want to make sure some rights are really secured. And so that's where you get the first 10 amendments. That's the Bill of Rights, like freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Um, You don't have to quarter a military person in your house. That was a big problem back in those days. The states were like, look, I don't want to have to be quartering your military guys. And so all of these first 10 amendments, you just go read through them. They're kind of the list of demands from the states in order to form a federal government. And that makes a lot of sense, especially with the Second Amendment, because these states, if you will, had just gone to war. And I think this is something that most Americans don't understand. They had just gone to war with their own government. Mm -hmm. Like England was the colonists' government. So they were fighting against their own government because they'd come to believe that the government was not serving them and it was tyrannical and it was, um, you know, not uh, for the good of the people. I mean, 
there was no representation. I mean, you know, we can, we're not here to discuss the, the, uh, the setting of the, of the uh, revolutionary war, but they had just gone to war with their government and they had gone to war with their government in large part with the privately owned weaponry that these militiamen had. And so they're saying, we, we need to protect that right. Now, of course, like that was a long time ago. And, you know, a lot of people, I've definitely heard people say, well, yeah, that was a great idea in the 18th century, but it wouldn't really apply today. But before you say that, I mean, you, you can look at some kind of like modern day context. I think in the West, it's hard for us to imagine those things. But if you look at the country of Ukraine, if you look mm -hmm. at uh, the uprisings against governments that we saw in the Arab Spring, if we, I mean, actually, this is happening kind of all the time mm -hmm. um, where uh, you know, recently in, um, you know, I think of like Assad, you know, five or seven or eight years ago in Syria that killed 300,000 of his own country people that were really kind of defenseless against him. So government being a force of evil against its own people is not this crazy foreign idea to the world. I think it's strange to us in the West, but it's not this crazy foreign idea. So I just want to give a little context and then one other little thing, and then I want to hear y'all's thoughts on just context, but it's interesting that even a lot of people kind of pin the um, Second Amendment conversation to the political right, and, and I think rightly so, NRA, I mean, we all know those factors, but interestingly, um, you know, the, the Second Amendment conversation really picked up steam uh, in the last 70 years, 50 years in the United States, really with the Black Panther Party. That's that's actually where the Second Amendment conversations began. And, and I understand the Black Panther Party did not trust the federal government and wanted to bear arms. And that's kind of where that some of those those wins that, you know, we are still kind of experiencing with this Second Amendment debate um, have started. Now, I want to be clear and then I want to let you guys talk, but like I want to be clear. I'm not necessarily even defending the Second Amendment here. I'm just saying this is the context with that we live in as Americans, um, and this is what we were born out of. So, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I mean, just to echo what you're saying. I mean, it is the Second Amendment is very unique. It is unique on a, at a global level and a historical level. Um, I, I had a Syrian brother who I took uh, target shooting. This is probably seven years ago, and. Um, after we shot, he, he almost got teary eyed. You know, he's looking at the gun. He said, I wished I had had this when I was in Syria. He lost family members to both the Assad regime and to ISIS. He was stuck in between two fires. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I didn't know what to say to him. I mean, I didn't want to say, well, you know, uh, live by the sword, die by the sword. No, I mean, he, he was, he was desirous of protecting his family, but he couldn't because he wasn't allowed to have a firearm. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I understand why uh, it exists, why the Second Amendment exists. And, you know, uh, I was talking about the Thomas Jefferson quote with you all earlier where he said, you know, when people fear the government, that's tyranny. But when the government fear the people, that's liberty. And it, there is something, uh, I think, unique and exciting that we live in such a free country. Uh, I think what, what where it goes sideways is, we're living in a time when there is this departure from community, like mm -hmm. departure from community, departure from kind of moral fabric that, that where we didn't see these things 50 years a ago. A sense of authority. But yeah. There's yeah. a total lack and of, that's, you know, of, from everything from God to police officers to, I mean, just a rejection of 
authority. Of authority. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it was John Adams who said um, that, that our constitution, our form of government is really intended for moral people, a moral people, he says, quote, yeah. you know, so what happens when we are no longer a moral people with and great freedom disorder comes great responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and I think that's where this conversation like today in 2023 and beyond is interesting. Like we were able to, I mean, it does seem like America was able to hold on to the freedom of, you know, the ability to, again, defend your own family or the ability to, and for a long time, like, uh, hunt your own food. I mean, you know, the, the, those kinds of freedoms, which obviously is less applicational today, though many people, of course, still, you know, enjoy to hunt, um, but less in a necessity way, more in a recreational way. But in a, um, but, but, you know, are we living in an age where that freedom needs to be forsaken for the broader good? Um, uh, because it, because there's so much violence, because there's so much, evil. There's so many bad things that are happening at the hands of, of guns. And I, I think that's like a, a, a great conversation, I think, for Christians to have. Do you have any thoughts on context? Because well, I want to I I get to the theology, but yeah. But yeah, the only thing is it's, it's doubly complicated because I think we're trying to figure out what was like, if, if the framers were here today, how would they apply that principle of that Second Amendment to our context today? But then as Christians, we're even you know, more so interested in what's the biblical, like how am I going to apply the biblical principles to our context today? We're kind of trying to do double um, in this conversation. I think that's part of what, I don't know, makes the waters feel a little well, muddied. And the amazing thing about hard. America though is we can change the constitution. I mean, yeah. you know, like, and so, I mean, I think that like, as you're having these conversations, like we shouldn't treat the second amendment as if it's something that's like always and forever good. You know, it might not be good. I mean, I, I think that is the bigger conversation <laughs> that we're needing to be having like, but on what grounds, you know, is it not good? And it can't just, it can't just be, you know, I think like, and that's where I think we, that's where I kind of want to move this conversation is like, how do we now think about this through scripture? Like, and, and what, you know, eternal truths need to kind of guide how we think about this. And so I, I just want, I'll bring up two and, and I, I'd like to hear, you know, I think like we can talk about how they may up, may or may not apply, but like for, for one is like love of neighbor, right? And so on one side, you might say, well, for the sake of my neighbor and, you know, who is your neighbor, right? My neighbor might be the person living in the underprivileged community. We need to strictly limit access to guns, you know, in America, um, um, and, you know, because there's so much violence happening out there. On the other side, you could say, well, for the sake of my neighbor, um, you know, I want to defend my neighbor or, you know, there's a lot of bad people with guns out there or I want to defend my family. I mean, to your point with the, the Assad regime earlier. Um, so that's an interesting, you know, one to apply. The other one is humility, right? I think the other one I was going to think of is humility is like, again, like I don't think that we hold on to any right too tightly, you know, we recognize everything comes from God. And so, you know, if, if it is for the good of God's creation that we would forsake even a right of personal protection, I mean, you know, that's a certain right, but for the sake of the good of the whole, I think we should, you know, be willing to, as Christians, forsake that. On the other side, people may say, well, yeah, actually the most humble thing to do 
uh, would be to, you know, again, to be able to defend, um, you know, my family, my neighbor. I'm going to like put myself in harm's way for the good of the whole. Um, and so again, that, that's what I'm talking about here is like, how do, what, what are the things that we should be thinking of? Um, and again, I think the, the, there's a longer conversation to be had about love of neighbor. There's a longer conversation needs to be had of humility, but, but what are the things that should frame this? And I think it's important that we don't reduce this to a little soundbite conversation here or there and say, well, obviously if you love your neighbor, then X, or obviously if you love your neighbor, then Y, like these are actually little, these are actually more complex situations than I think, you know, a soundbite can require. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, I was just to say one of the things that's helped me personally, because um, I know a lot of people are trying to like, what, so what Bible verse do I run to? And there are a couple of really helpful ones. But one thing that's helped me is to think about this through the lens of that creation, fall, redemption, restoration timeline that we're working along as Christians. And as we're in this like kind of era of redemption, waiting for full restoration, you know, we you've taught really well on this lately, Jason, on the now and not yet, that tension between we have one foot here, one foot there. Um, but it, it's helped me think about there's both this we're going for the root issue, we're wanting redemption. We want to see real heart change. Um, what would really change one's desires when it comes to how they use a gun or whether or not they own a gun or utilize a weapon or in our society, but also the restraining effect, the reality that we live in a now. And, um, yeah. we, yeah. And there's, there's the role of government in restraining evil. I think any authority, if you're a parent, if you're an administrator at school, you're thinking about how I can manage, restrain, hold back, um, evil. I think those are you know, maybe two helpful Christian ways no, to think totally. about it. And, and that's a, you know, the now and not yet, uh, the already and not yet, and the now and what is to come. I mean, in the age to come, um, everybody could have as many guns as they wanted to because we know that they wouldn't use them uh, improperly. Or you could say, well, nobody will have need of a gun, you know, because... There's there, that verse in Isaiah. There, we don't need, about, yeah. It talks about um, the, the sword and the spear being changed into a plowshare and um, right. pruning hook. I mean, it's such a beautiful That's picture right, yeah. of like, these will now, we don't need them. They'll be like tools of cultivation. Right. Um, how cool is that? And I do think that that is a good, like, what is the telos of a gun, you know? And it is for something violent to happen, you know? I mean, wh why is there a, a gun, you know? I mean, and people can say, well, I use a gun for target practice, or I use a gun, you know, but I mean, and even if it's strictly for hunting, which again, I mean, I'm not against hunting. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not against those kind of right uses of a gun, but like something violent is happening on the other end of that. And, and that, that, I think that to me is like the question that I find myself asking is like, yes, I can certainly imagine a world where gun ownership and, you know, an unrestricted, kind of access to guns is a very, very good thing. But, you know, have we come, are we not moral enough for that kind of responsibility? Yeah. You know, that, and that's where I, you know, have we come to an age where, you know, we don't have a high enough view of human life where, mm -hmm. where, and that, you know, that's where the restrictive side of government actually becomes a good, you know, I mean, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this is like a, Baptist pastor, but like there is a, a good to, you know, tobacco, right? I mean, there is a certain good to it, but like, 
I also understand that like we need restrictions there because some people get addicted to cigarettes and smoke like, you know, my grandfather, like he smoked two packs a day at least and died of lung cancer. Like, and so that now the government sticks in and says, sure, like you want to smoke a cigarette, you can smoke a cigarette, but we're going to like restrict it in a way that hopefully prevents people from dying prematurely. And I actually think we're kind of having the same conversation here. I don't know, Josh. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's the soundbite thing can be unhelpful. So you really have to kind of work this out. I mean, if we were in Sydney, Australia, we would not be having this podcast, right? We, this would not be a discussion. We wouldn't be having this because they rounded up all the guns in the nineties and it's just not an issue, but it is an issue because of the second amendment, the, the rights of the people shall not be infringed, right? So it's, it's a right given to people, to all people. So the constitutional right that I have to carry a firearm is the same that uh, the, the police have really. I mean, there's, there's no distinction uh, between uh, in, when I get my, um, my, my carry permit, it is this, it gives me the same constitutional authority. Uh, uh, now the, now the, the citizens arrest thing is, is a little bit different, but the, the right to carry that firearm is virtually the same. Uh, and, and I would be treated the same way in court. They would be looking at, was there opportunity? Was there, they'd be looking right, at the yeah. same difference, the same different five things that they would be looking at for a police officer. They would be, they would be asking me those same questions. And so I would say that even as we move away from the, the fact that I have that right in a way, kind of in Romans 13, it says that the government is a terror to those who do, do wrong. In a way, it puts me in a sense of authority if I have this permit, if I have this right to carry this weapon and to defend myself or to defend people, in a sense, like we are the we are the God, we are the people in that in that sense, right? Um, and so, how do we handle that responsibility? How do we that, shepherd, else steward I, that? I don't think Americans, you know, I mean, we should understand, but I just don't think we understand. Like the, the, the there's not like a government. And us, it's like the the people are the govern the the governed are also the government, and the government is of the people. It's by the people, but it's also for the people. And I think that's what we're asking: is like, what should the government do? Being us, what should we do to be more like for the people? And I think that's where it becomes an interesting conversation. It's like, you know, you know. Like speed limits. I mean, you know, and I guess like, you know, my, you know, to share a few of my like personal cards here. And, and again, I, I, I don't want to keep, I don't want to make this about like what we should do. But I mean, I, th I think the thing that I am personally wrestling with is like, um, you know, I, I totally understand the, a context, a moral context where people have freedom. Um, and I love that. I mean, I'm an American, but at what point do you, is it right for the government, you know, again, a, a government made up of the people to restrict freedom for the good of the people? So it's for the people. And, um, you know, speed limits, you know, right? I mean, I want to drive as fast as I can, but I understand that, like, actually the government is, I mean, I can still drive pretty fast, you know, but the government's restricting that actually for the good of the whole, you know? even though like there's some drivers out there that you could just let them drive as fast as they want, it would, it would be fine, you know, but, but for the good of the whole, like you can't do that with every single driver. And so that's what I'm kind of weighing through is like, you know, what does 
that look like that is actually driven by, you know, to your point, like the government enacts their thing for the good of those who are governed. Like, I mean, that's a biblical idea, not for the ill. Um, and so what are those things that, and, and, you know, I don't want us to like answer these questions today, but I think like as Christians, like that's what, that's the thing we should try to be saying. Like, what is our stewardship as a people? We were just talking like the amazing thing about America, every, you know, Diane and I, not you, Josh, cause you're, uh, you know, you're not a foreigner. A, you're not a true American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but for people like Diane and I that were born in the USA, like we, um, um, we, you know, we could become president in 2025. Like that's the amazing thing about America is like, it really is a government of the people. Now it's mm -hmm. unlikely that Diane or I will be president in 25, but it's possible. Whereas like when Paul was writing, he would never, he, he, he would never become the emperor of Rome. You know, that was an impossibility. The, the government was some other thing. And so I do like, there is a stewardship in this. Like we're, we're not just like subject to the government's laws, whatever they may be. Like we have a stewardship to make better laws if our laws are, you know, are wrong, you know, and, and are not right. And I think like the founders created the second amendment because they said, look, giving the government so much power is not good. It's not been for our good. How do we limit the power of the government? Um, so anyway, yeah, that's, th these are the kinds of discussions that I think it's good for Christians to have. I don't know. Any other, any thoughts on biblical principles that should be driving this or just any thoughts that we've had? No, I, you know, um, I, I'll say that, um, I'm obviously a pro second amendment. I'm, I'm a firearm owner. Um, I have a carry permit taking like a constitutional class on this. I mean, I, I've, I've enjoyed studying this and looking at this um, and, and believe that it is the right of a citizen of the United States um, to, to, to carry and to own a firearm and whether it's sport or whether it's target shooting or whether it's for their own protection, you know, but I will say that I do think there, sometimes I hear there's some language within Christians or from Christians about this issue of like, over my dead body, will they take my guns? You know, the last sound they'll hear is the sound of a shell casing, you know, coming out of my gun. I'm like, well, you, okay, you don't want to die for this. Like, I, I get it. Um, but, you know, in First Peter 2, it says, you know, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Yeah. You know, and so we we are not rabble rousers. Like, we're not, we're not, we're not against, we should not go against the government. Um, and if there's a legislation that comes down, and I was telling you all this before we started recording, I mean, there's a legislation now that's going to impact firearms that many people listening to this own, and you have to make that decision. Are you going to, you know, turn, you know, report yourself to the ATF or disarm, you know, disassemble those weapons? And I think as Christians, we we probably should be the first people to turn in our ATF, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think they call it the uh, segment three or whatever it is, the that um, you have to turn in um, uh, to report yourself for having that, that firearm and then wait for the legislative process to change or whatever it could. But I, I don't think we should um, be hiding or, uh, you know, owning something that, that they, that they, the government has said, we don't want you to have this particular, you know, weapon. Yeah. Uh, and I would uh, just add to that, like, this has really brought to mind that idea of civil society and um, just because if we, the governed, are 
kind of governing in a sense, like you're saying, we the people are the government, then that civil society element that's so essential to our nation should be the first thing that we as Christians are jumping into. Like, yeah, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to jump to, um, to in a sense, like, to be a part of, um, yeah, the, solving these problems. Like, we were talking about this before we started the podcast, but, like, sometimes I think we, we're like, can I trust my government to enforce this? Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether or not you do or don't, I mean, we are part of the enforcement. Like, we can get, I think we can be more proactive than we think um, in our community. Well, and I think that's a big part of the problem is we have been so focused on protecting our individual right because we don't trust the government. I mean, I think to me, like a big issue in the gun control debate is that like it's, 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 it's flows from a distrust of government. And so we're so focused on protecting everybody's right that we haven't done more to actually like change government to make it more trustworthy. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, like let's, let's not like miss the bigger thing here. You know, um, you know, the, the bigger thing is that we should, if it's truly a government of the people by the people for the people, like how can we, how can we create a government that is more that? And I think that's a stewardship of Christians. I mean, you know, if you would have said to any of the first century Christians, like one day you will be the government, they would have been like, that's incredible. That's amazing. Like, like, you know, what a grace. And it is a grace. But I think, you know, I think one of the things that frustrates me about, you know, Christians is that there, there is so much just mess in politics um, that we can just like, you know, either oversimplify it and throw it off but really, it's a, there's a great stewardship there. I mean, I was listening to this guy talk the other day, and he was trying. He was talking about these like things that Christians should be uh, concerned about, and I don't disagree. But I was like, well, really, like a lot of those decisions were made like at our local city council meetings, like mm -hmm. you know. And so I think that that is where some disconnect comes from Christians. And I, I guess one of the things that I would hope as a result of this podcast is that we wouldn't be these like soundbitey Christians, like. You know, I've been seeing the uh, little thing on social media, you know, Cain killed Abel with a rock and David killed Goliath with a rock. It's it, it's not the rock. Well, I mean, to some degree, like it, it is the rock like it there, you know, there that's that's so insufficient. That's so overly simplistic. That's so unhelpful uh, in, in a situation like this. And so I guess I guess what I'm if you're listening to this, like, you know, particularly if you go to Christ's covenant and I have any spiritual authority in your life, like I'm not telling you necessarily what you should think about this, but I am saying like the, the oversimplification and the, I think the lack, the, the, the hyper tribalism and the lack of like real thoughtful engagement on this. Um, and I would just say uneducated engagement is very troubling to me. Like, you know, like, we, we need to be able to not just talk about these things as Christians, meaning from a Christian worldview. We need to be able to talk about these things as Christians, meaning like from a posture of dignity and humility and love and compassion toward one another. You know, you said something in this conversation, in a conversation we had earlier, Diane, about just like the power of prayer in these yeah. things. I mean, could you kind of reiterate that? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's not just powerful, um, 
the prayer is not just powerful and something we can use like in the wake of a tragedy. I think that's when everybody likes, okay, call to prayer. Like, look what just happened at Covenant School. Like everybody, let's pray. I think it's really important in that season to pray, to lament what's going on. I was, I was thinking about this on the drive over though, but we as Christians even uniquely are positioned um, to pray every day. Uh, you know, I think about the way I, I can pray for my children's school. Um, yeah. Even just the funny stuff, like, you know, if you went to the Taylor Swift concert this last weekend, you should have been praying on the way there, Lord. This is, you know, this is a free gathering of people. Like, protect this place, Lord. Mm. Um, we should be just, we, we know this is an issue. We know we're, one of the best weapons that we have is to pray and pray for our church every Sunday. Add that to your prayers before, you know, you come to church. Lord, protect us this morning. Um, God, God loves to hear those prayers. He wants to act on our behalf on this front. Yeah. Obviously, on one side, more than just prayer, thoughts and prayers needs to be done. But on one side, like no less than thoughts and prayers need to be done. It is one of the most powerful things. And, um, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people like like to put thoughts and prayers on social media. But like, like to your point, like, what if you actually prayed? Like, what if we actually sought God's help on this um, and sought his protection and sought his care and sought... Um, and just sought his presence. I mean, I think that's where we could make so much more ground, even as a church in these kinds of things. If we desired the presence of God, we would not grieve the Holy Spirit in how we talk about these things and how we process these things. And um, and I think we would not let our humanity and man-centeredness rule the day, but our God-centeredness, I hope, would. Any, th- any closing thoughts, Josh? Yeah, you know, I was reading something yesterday. The Surgeon General has come out and said that loneliness is like this really this, this epidemic in, in, in American society. And he says it's worse than smoking like 12 cigarettes a day or something yeah. like that yeah, for health, or for health. You know, we, we are in this hyper individualized culture where people are pulling away from community. They're pulling away from society. And when you, when you study some of these mass shootings or even just the one-off shootings, there are people who are just, they, they lack community. They lack all sorts of, of social interaction. And so you know, like us as a church, like this needs to be something that like we're talking about, we're discussing, or, you know, I think about even as a, a going back to the gun owner thing, like I, when I go to the gun range, like I'm always like looking for like the guy that looks a little off. Like he, he looks like he's not part of a community and I, I want to engage him. I want to like talk to him. And I think like forming those kinds of communities with your police, with your local gun range or, you know, whatever. I mean, even at a secular level is a good thing. And as believers, we should be, I think, in, invading that that community, those communities as well. We should be the first to be invading those communities as well. Yeah, mm. I love, uh, yeah, one thing I just want to add before we get ready to close is that we um, shouldn't just want to think rightly about this issue, but I think we should be the most innovative thinkers on this issue because we really have the best grasp as to what's really driving this issue. And, you know, I think about that original sin out of the, at, just out of the garden with that Cain and Abel, you know, it's right. like I mean, sin is crouching at, the des- at, at your door. Its desire is to rule over you you got to rule over it. But so we like, we have all these tools. We know the answer and we can, we know this starts in our schools. We know this starts in family formation. We know like if you're a foster parent today, you're, you're engaged in this issue. You, you really are. And you can be even encouraged in that. Um, we know uh, Mike and I know a guy who right now, a Christian who's um, he's engaging this on the online front mm-hmm. um, because these chat rooms, I guess are apparently a big, spot where radicalization takes place. And he's like, what can I do to be a disruptor and a de-escalator in this locale? I have these web skills. I can do this. 
I think, and I just think that's how Christians should be. Like it's an, it's an all out, like on every front, let's go kind of battle. I agree. And, and I think it's going to take, I mean, again, to the oversimplification thing, you know, the U S government going around and buying up 300 plus million guns is if that is your, like, that's what needs to happen. I mean, it's probably okay. We, you know, that's probably a little irresponsible. Like that, that's, that's unlikely. Like, so what, what, what are ways that, you know, we can, you know, as a society and even like, what if Christians kind of led the charge on this? Like that we can create, you know, a more responsible, safer, um, and I, and I would put in like restricted, but in a, um, but in, in a properly restricted sense, like, you know, how do you create a society that does that, um, where it's not just this, this side pulling against this side, um, but really there is a dialogue where people, you know, rather than just fighting for their side on this thing are working to, I mean, again, I, I hate to keep quoting Lincoln, but like a more perfect union. I mean, that, that, and, and I would say as Christians, like one that reflects, um, the image of God, one that reflects the glory of God in our society. So it's a great conversation to be having. I, I want to encourage you as Christians to jump into these kinds of conversations and have them, but in, I pray, a God-honoring and peaceable way. Um, so thanks, guys. This has, been, this has been good. So for Josh Youssef and Diane Menina, I'm Jason Dees, encouraging you to think through it. Thanks for listening to Think Through It. For more information, visit ChristCovenant.com.